Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. A series of, of Timothy, and so I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, the first week was be faithful. We talked about the faithfulness and being faithful to God and being faithful to what he's called us to do. Uh, last week we talked about prayer and then kind of ended talking about women in ministry. If you'd like to know more about that, you can definitely go back and listen or pick up a paper in the back that the Assemblies of God have written on a positional paper. Uh, this week we're going to chapter 3, and we're going to talk about the gold standard of leadership. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible is the gold standard. When it comes to leadership, people in the, in the secular world, in, in the world, love to have the same kind of qualities that the Bible says that we as biblical leaders should have. In fact, any corporation would want this type of leaders, these types of leaders in their corporation. Uh, leaders in the, in the neighborhood, leaders in your city, leaders in government, if they had these kind of qualities and character, I mean, that's the type of leaders that are sought after. And so as you get into this, uh, what does the characteristics of biblical leadership look like? And so Paul spells this out for Timothy as he's kind of coaching Timothy to be a pastor and what it's like and he's mentoring him. And so what does a Christian leadership look like? Before we get into 1 Timothy 3, let me just read Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Then I love the second part just because I'm a pastor. Give them reason to do this with joy <laughs> and not sorrows. That would certainly be for your benefit. Um, we want that. That's what we're desiring. We, we need to understand that, that God gives us leaders to be over uh, certain things, certain situations, and we need to realize what that means and so what it means for us. So biblical leadership is the gold standard for us, the same things that we look for. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to dive right in and not take too much time. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. Here's the very first thing you need to write down. Leadership is not based upon a title or rank, but an individual's actions. In fact, John Maxwell used to talk about the leader is not the one with the title. The leader is the one with influence. I think that's true in any room. How many of you ever walked into a room? It's, it's one thing for the boss to be up there, but it's uh, another thing to watch who everybody looks to. Who is the real influencer? Who's the real person? That's what matters. See, most people are obsessed with titles. They're obsessed with, uh, in fact, you, if you take a note, you're obsessed, they're obsessed with titles, but true leaders are obsessed with results. As believers, we need to be less concerned with what title we have and more concerned with what results you're getting. In fact, leadership character and leadership uh, integrity come way before a title ever does. I've talked about this before, but we're very blessed in our, our church. Almost everyone on our staff uh, started out as a volunteer, started out serving, started out doing something, and then later on, we, 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 they did such a great job, we hired them. Uh, Teresa Kay volunteered uh, first. We, we have uh, Taylor, who... Uh, volunteered first. We now 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 filling in her positions. We have Evan and Laura who volunteered in her her spot. I mean, on and on. Uh, we have great leaders who have volunteered way before 
that they ever had a title. Someone once said this, it says, if someone hungers or is hungry for a title and power, bench them. But if someone is hungry for responsibility, promote them. So many times people want a title. They want to be in charge of something, but they don't want to sacrifice. And, and what's really hard about this is we really learned about biblical leadership. To be a great leader, you got to be what? A servant. And so you're like, I want to lead. Okay, clean toilets. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I want to lead. Great. Go vacuum. We, <laughs> we need your help this week. Nope, don't want to do that. We, you know, I mean, whatever it takes. What's it going to take? We need you to wipe baby noses. I don't like babies. <laughs> what, are you, what does it really mean to be a great leader? It means to serve. Jesus told us this from the very beginning. Then, he gives, then Paul goes on and he gives uh, Timothy the qualifications of leadership. And he goes into verse 2 and he says, The church leader must be a man who is above reproach. He's not saying perfect, but he's saying above reproach, above disapproval, above disgrace, above discredit. He's got to be a person with a good name. Someone that when people look at, they don't see him as a hypocrite. With a double standard, with one life in front of people and another life at work. Uh, one life at church, one life when there are other places. They're the same. They're without reproach. Uh, modeling a godly life for others to follow. This is the type of person. These are the qualifications that, uh, that we need to look for. In fact, we're very blessed, not only in our paid staff, but in our our, our board. We've got a great board. I'll just tell you that for the last four years, I've been very blessed. I've grown in the fifth year this year uh, to have a very godly board. Uh, but I want to remind you that every year, this is what we're supposed to look like. We're supposed to look for what it means to, to have someone that has a above reproach, someone that has great character. He goes on in verse 2. He says, he must be faithful to his wife. I know this should go without uh, saying, but it was said for a reason. <laughs> In fact, if you're going to be a godly leader, the very next thing you need to learn is you need to be faithful at home. You need to be faithful at home. Men, you got to be faithful at home. Faithful with your time. Faithful with, faithful with your attention. You need to be faithful at home. In fact, if you will cheat on those you love most, you'll cheat on those you serve. There's something powerful about this idea of being faithful. Being faithful where God planted you, being faithful. In fact, Andy Stanley one time wrote a book called Choosing to Cheat, and it wasn't about cheating and having an affair. It was about cheating your family out on time. The whole concept of always being gone, always trying to do the next thing, never being home, never being present, when one of the most valuable things, men, you can give to your kids is your time. I think I've learned a lot as a dad throughout the years. And one of the things I know is that not everything they want, you need to buy them. <laughs> but I've also learned this, is that they won't remember what you bought them, but they will remember the time you spent with them. In fact, I, I can tell my kids things that we did for them, and they're like, we never did anything. And then we have to list things. I don't remember that. <laughs> list things we bought them. They don't remember that. But they remember the times we did spend. In fact, they just, the things that they remember is just so different than what we thought they would remember. It's the time that we spend. It's that quality. It's that investment we pour in day in and day out. And so you've got to do that. But also be, 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 be weary or be alert, be, be aware of a roaming eye. 
Man, here's something else we need to learn. Pornography is a trap. It's a trap of the enemy. It's something that's always there trying to pull you away and, and cause your attention to be diverted and cause you to look at other places. And as, as, as men of God, we've got to be aware of this. It's so subtle how it comes up. In fact, I can't, I can't even begin to name the number of men we've had to counsel because of pornography being an addiction problem. But I remember one specific story where, where they were just on Facebook and got an invite, so innocent, and then uh, wound up going further there to lead them to sites, and then they, they fell into this whole um, uh, world of pornography until they just were so deep, they didn't know how to see themselves out. But man, thank goodness for God. Thank goodness for conviction. Thank goodness for, for the things that convicts our heart and pulls them out. But it's, it's a trap. Sonner and I have, have, have loved ones and friends that have had divorces because, because one thing led to another that led to affairs. And, and you think, man, this was so avoidable so early on, but we allowed a Roman eye, a Roman heart just to get, get us out of whack and allowed us to lead us astray. It's those little things. Uh, it goes on and he says, and be faithful to a wife. And then he says, it, it says be, he must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. You've got to walk with excellence of character. In other words, here it is. Excellence of character must be the foundation of our leadership. We say this in our leadership all the time. Character trumps talent every time. It's character. It's your character. It's the character of a person. In fact, I don't care how talented someone is. I care about their talent. I mean, their character. I, I don't care about what they can do, how well they speak, their charisma. Uh, charisma's a dime a dozen, to be honest. But, but character is what's really important. It's who they are on and off in front of people. It's who they are when they're at home. It's who they are when they're on vacation. It's who they are when they think nobody else is around and how they act, how they respond. A good character is so important in leadership that, 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 that this is one of the very first things that gets drive home. And the very first thing he's telling Timothy, he tells them that they must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. Your character is what will sustain you, not your gifts. Proverbs 27, verse 19 says, As a face is reflected in the water, so the heart reflects the real person. Your heart will tell who you really are. You ever hear someone say something and they realize they shouldn't have said it out loud in front of people and they say, well, I didn't really mean that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's the overflow. We may not, we, what, what the truth is, is we wish that wasn't in us. The truth is we wish we didn't feel that way. We wish we had more compassion in our heart. We wish we didn't blurt out anger. We wish we didn't feel certain ways about certain people. But the truth is, that's who we really are. If we would stop working on our public image and start working on our heart, it would change everything. Goes on, he says, <laughs> this would count some people out right away. He must enjoy having guests in his homes. You got to be hospitable. Genuinely like people. Be a people person. You got to genuinely like people. Having people in your home. And he must be able to teach. Skillful teaching. Uh, I believe this is important. 
and leadership. Not everybody needs to be a preacher. That's not what it's saying. But you need to be willing to teach. You need to be able to put into people what's in you. If you're a leader, I need to be able to teach people the good news of the gospel and, and share my testimony. I need to be willing to teach them about how to follow the way of Christ as a leader. I need to be able to do this. After 27 years in ministry, I still critique my, my sermons. I go back and listen to them. Now I listen to them on one and a half speed. And I know y'all think I talk fast enough, but I already know what I said. I just want to know how I said it. <laughs> and so I, I, I do. I critiqued it. I listened. I think, you know, what should I have done there? Why did I do this? Why, why did I pause so long? Why did I do this? Did I stutter? Do I use filler words? I usually don't have to find those. Sandra will find those for me. Um, you know. Filler words are words you use while you're thinking about what you're going to say next. That's why you hear a lot of people pray and they say, Father God, I just pray, Father God, Lord, that you do. They're thinking about what they're going to say next. Well, preachers do the same thing. We're just more clever. So we said, listen, listen. We're, we're listening. Well, I think about what I'm going to say. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Okay, just say it. <laughs> I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. They're filler words. And so uh, I, I'm constantly critiquing. Why? Because I want to do an excellent job in proclaiming the gospel and what God has uh, for us. And so he critiques it. Um, so can you teach people what you learn? Then he goes on to verse 3 and he says, he must not be a heavy drinker or violent. Many times these two things go together. The idea that we must be able to handle our emotions and our stress, put things in check. Are you able to handle your emotions and your stress? Uh, oftentimes drinking is an escape from our emotional discomfort. So what do people do? They drink in order to get uh, an escape from their discomfort. And so because of that, it leads on to what? Violence. And violence is our emotions that are out of control. So as a leader, he says, you can't be that. You've got to put things in check. You've got to put things in order. You've got to make sure you have these things under control. And then he goes on to verse 3 and it says, he must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Let's unpack that real quick. Gentleness doesn't seem like a very big leadership characteristic, does it? I mean, when I think of a great leader, I don't think of someone just really uh, gentle. In fact, I think of someone very direct, very forceful sometimes, very, very straightforward. But he says you've got to be gentle. A picture, uh, kind of this is a picture of someone who's not in control, but someone who's mild. Quarrelsome. You can't be quarrelsome. You've got to have your ego in check. It's not always about having to be right. Just set that in for a minute, guys. It's not always about having to be right. And money. Don't love money. This is all about who has your heart. Who or what has your heart? More of that's in chapter 6, but he goes on, he talks about the love of money will steer your heart in the wrong direction. So what is that, your love of money? Where is your heart when it comes to those issues? Then in verse 4, it goes on, and he says, He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Woo! For if a man cannot manage his own household... How can he take care of God's church? The better we lead our home, the better we will lead our office. Success begins in our home. This is not about having perfect children, but it is about having respectful children. It's about having children who, who respect enough to listen. 
and obey your words. There's no such thing as a perfect child. Definitely not in my house. <laughs> nor, in <any> house <laughs> nor in any other house that I know of. But how do you raise your children? How do you, how, how do you, how do you deal with those things? How do you go through those things? And, and let's just be honest. If you can negotiate with a teenager, you can get the deal done at, in, the, in the office, right? I mean, you've ever had to have a good negotiation with a teenager, they can argue pretty well. My mom used to say I could argue with a brick wall. I know y'all can't see that in me because I'm so gentle. <laughs> Morgan, why are you laughing so hard? Verse 6, a church leader must, be a, must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. This is about protection. This is about protecting a new believer. In fact, so many times somebody gets saved and we put them on the platform. We put them uh, in front of people. We let them give their testimony way too soon. And then when they fall, they feel like they can't recover from it. So sometimes it's better to wait and, 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 and pull back and, and, and let them go through the process of discipleship and then allow them to give their testimony up front. Then allow them, let them give it on a smaller stage before they give it on a bigger stage. Sometimes it's better to let them serve in little things before you put them in front of a lot of people and, and let them work through those issues, work through those times and just immediately promoting somebody. And so many times, churches make the mistakes of putting people in positions they're definitely not ready for and definitely not spiritually immature enough ready to handle. So you've got to be cautious about that. And then he goes to verse 7. He says, also, people outside the church must be well of him so that he will not be a disgrace and fall into the devil's trap. I think one version could read it this way. He must also have a good reputation outside the church. Not driving by, giving gestures to other drivers. <laughs> Showing their other self at Walmart. Not gropping at Silver Dollar City because it's too hot and you walk too many hills. we got to have a good reputation. Let me just assure you, people are watching you. And when you become a leader, more eyes are upon you. We need to understand that, that as we move forward, that, that people are going to watch us because we are in front of people. So be faithful. Keep your word. Be a good neighbor. Take care of your business, not only in the church, but outside the church. Verse 8 and verse 9 begins to uh, deal with deacons and how they, in the church, and it says in the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or are dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of faith now uh, revealed, and they must live with a clear conscience. There must be a consistency between what we believe and how we live. In fact, if I was going to ask you a question and you're taking notes, it's not going to be up there, but write it down. Say, how big is the gap between you and what you know and what you apply? How big is the gap between what you know and what you apply in your life? See, there's a problem. 
if we're not in leadership, that's the very first question we got to ask ourselves is how big is the gap between what I know to do, the things that the Bible tells me I should do, and how I should act, how I should look, and what I should be like, and what I actually apply and do. As a leader, we have to understand, and here, here's what we really should understand. All of us should strive to be godly leaders in the church. It's, it starts out in Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 1, saying that it, he who desires this desires an honorable position, an honorable thing. So we should all strive for that. We should strive for what it means to be a godly leader because these things are, are, are they, 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 they go right into everything else we do in the world. If you can lead well with these rules in the church, you can lead well anywhere. Verse 10, before, they appoint, uh, before you are appointed as, uh, as deacons, let them closely, be closely examined, and if they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. If you don't have the goods when nobody's watching, you won't have the goods when everybody's watching. You've got to be able to be the same. So, so you've got to be closely examined. We shouldn't just elect uh, Bob because he's my best friend. We can't, uh, uh, we can't uh, just put uh, Sally in, in, in a high position just because we've known her and her mama and her daddy and what they did all their life. Some, they've got to be a person of good re reputation in and out of the church. How you do business in the church is not near as important as how you do business outside the church. Be faithful in the little things, and I'll put you, I'll make you ruler over many. Be faithful in the smaller things, and God will do things for you. Verse 11, he goes on, it says, In the same way their wives, uh-oh, <laughs> must be respected and must not slander others. That means gossip, talk bad, trash other people. On Facebook, on Instagram, DMing people, whatever they do. Snapchat it so it disappears. <laughs> you can't slander others. The life of excellence of character must be owned by the spouse as well. It's not enough that, that I have a good character. I have to have a spouse. And I'll just tell you this. The success of Harrison Faith Church is in direct reflection, uh, reflection of my wife. That's an amen, Spot, but that's Okay. The quality and caliber of the woman that I married is a direct reflection of how great our church is doing right now. I married really well. I married above my status. I fought hard to get her. She told me no more than she told me yes. <laughs> and this year we'll celebrate 27 years. Amen. So y'all know she's a saint. <laughs> the, the second part of verse 11 says, they must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. Leaders establish and live by their own set of boundaries. They establish boundaries in their life. Self-control is about choosing to live with boundaries. I'm making these choices, and I'm going to live within these set of parameters. This is what I'm going to do. You have to live by a moral code. Uh, in fact, people have to know that when you speak, your word is gold. 
That's what it means to be a leader. Verse 12, he goes on, And a deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Same principles as before. And those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others, and they will have increased confidence in their faith in Jesus Christ. Leadership requires a very high standard. We set a model for others to live like Christ and to follow a Christ. In fact, if you're in church leadership, you are a role model, and you've got to model the role. You have got to be what God has called you to be. In fact, I believe that in, in scripturally, when you really get into the Bible, and the Bible is our good book, guidebook for living, that scripturally, church leadership is a calling, and it's not something that's just voted on every, every, every few years. And we've had men who, who served our board who have not just been a deacon when they had a title, but they were serving when they didn't have a title. And I believe they're the real deacons. They're called, they're, 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 they're serving, they're up at the church, they're working, they're not just greeting, they're helping other people, they're helping widows, they're doing whatever they can to serve and help others. And we have some great men who serve this position very well. I believe it's a calling. I believe it's something that God has called us for. It's more than just being a church board that's uh, legally accountable for the uh, incorporation of the church. They are a called people to serve the church and serve them well, not just with figures every week, but with their time, and their abilities, and their energy. Leadership requires a very high standard. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's about modeling. It's about following, saying, watch me, and you do the same. Verse 14 and 15, we'll kind of start closing up. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. Followers serve themselves. Leaders serve others. We serve others. Jesus had every right and privilege to demand that people respect him and do what he said, but instead he did what? He served. Matthew 20, 28 says, For even the Son of Man came to be, uh, to, uh, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we close, what does all this mean for Harrison Faith Church in our future? In Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, there was a problem. People's needs were not being met. In fact, the neighbor's needs weren't being met. The widow's needs weren't being met. And, so the, and the orphan's needs weren't being met. So what was the answer? Putting people into ministry. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, they, they elected seven men to serve uh, who are real, well respected and full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. And who was helped? The people, the leaders, and the vision of the church were all helped. What was the result? Increase, growth, salvations, and commitments. In verse 7 of Acts chapter 6, it says this, So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and, the many, and many of the Jewish priests were converted there too. When the word is increased, believers increased. Here's the last thing if you're taking notes. Multiplied leadership increases the kingdom impact. 
the more leaders grow, the greater the church grows. I believe that as, as we're going through the day, one of the things that God is calling us to do is to be leaders, not only in the church, but outside the church. He's calling all of us to step up and be the men and the women that God has called us to be. Last week, we talked a lot about women serving in ministry and that God had not cast you out, but he's, asked you, he's actually brought you in. Paul's teaching was to include women. And this week, we're talking about leadership and what it means to be a leader, not only in the church, but outside the church, that, that being a godly leader goes far beyond these walls. It's who we are. It's the character of who we are. And as we grow in our leadership, the kingdom of God grows. And as the kingdom of God grows, we have a great responsibility to need more servants, more leaders, more people serving in ministry. We have some of the greatest problems this past year. In fact, even with all the vacations that have been taken this summer, like it always happens, and with all the people that miss during the months of June and July and, and the beginning of August, we have experienced growth from other people. Our nursery's growing. Our children's ministries are growing. We're having to do things to, to make allowances for those areas and to, to, to reshift kids around and get more workers in. And we're needing more leaders to step up. We need leaders that will serve in the kids' ministry, the youth ministry. We're starting young, we have a, a young adults group, we have a young married couples group, and we're going to be starting uh, the middles, right? The middle ground group. That's my age. <laughs> You've you got older kids and you got older people. So we got a, even another group starting uh, because we're growing. It's a great problem to have. It's one of the wonderful things. So what do we do? We need you to step up. We need leaders to rise up to the level and do what God has been pushing and pulling on your heart to do all along. You are the greatest resource that the kingdom of God has. The greatest resource really isn't in your pockets. It's your time. It's choosing to serve. In fact, with people in and out so much, we need more uh, door greeters. We need people to work the connection center. We need people to connect with our guests when they come in. We need people constantly rotating and rotating out, not trying to burn anyone in or out, but getting people to step up and rise up to the level and be a leader. No one has been called in the church, regardless of your denominational belief in the past, to sit down and do nothing. No one. Nowhere through scriptures have I read where it says, rise up, get saved, and sit down, and listen only. It says, rise up and go. Rise up and work. Go out and serve, teach, preach, share the gospel wherever you go. The church multiplied in Acts and beyond, not because people had a great experience and said, wow, that was really good. We had a great time at church camp. That was phenomenal. Let's pat each other on the back. Good job, team. It's because they got so excited, they went to work, and they said, let me tell you about a man named Jesus who changed everything that I ever thought. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus who told me everything that I've ever done. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus who, who wrecked my life for the good. I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm different, all because he's intervened in my life. You, again, are the greatest evangelists, teachers, leaders that the kingdom of God could ever send forth. As everyone stands in this place, God is calling you. In fact, I meant to say something earlier, and I didn't say it, and I'm glad I, I, I waited to the end. I think it's going to fit better here. 
Andrea had a, Ballard had such a vision for Cam and for Jesus. We talked a little bit beforehand how when they couldn't come to church during the pandemic, uh, people started getting together at their house and just camping out in their front yard, and they were so excited. And when church started uh, coming back, they would, they would bring some people with them, and some would come, some wouldn't, but there were people getting saved, people's lives being changed, not perfect people, not everybody changed overnight. And now it's being offered to the church. And this past weekend, they had their very first in the last few days of Camping for Jesus, and you can go with them. You can go to enjoy, you can go to serve, you can go, it's gonna be a phenomenal thing, but what is it? It's someone who didn't feel like a leader that God called and said, I'm gonna step up, not because I feel like I have the ability, but I believe if he's calling me, he's gonna put that ability in me. He's gonna give me the tools that I need. He's gonna give me what I need, and man, what a phenomenal thing. And more and more is to come. Here's my question, where's your place? Where are you being called to step up and to lead? Where are you being called to step up and serve? As we close and the worship team comes, simply that. My greatest altar call right now is, where is God calling you? Say, God, search my heart. God, I'm not serving anywhere. I've always, in fact, some of you served so well at another church and you came here and you got kind of complacent, let's be honest. And you're just kind of chilling out and you're just kind of enjoying. Listen, those days are gone. It's time. God is calling you. We need you. We don't just want you. We need you to step up and serve. We are desperately need for people to rise up, stand up, and be what God has called them to be. And, and so we're going to have growth track again in the year. But if you want to serve in the meantime, we'll find a spot for you. But whatever God's calling you, I'm asking you to say, God, search my heart. Lord, lead me. But some of you don't even have to pray that long. You just have to say, Lord, forgive me. Because I've known for a long time what you've asked me to do. And I haven't done it. So as the worship team comes, I want you to just begin to let God search you. Just begin to work it out with him. And when you leave here, I want you ready to go. I want you ready with what God has called you to do.